subject lines can be way more mysterious. They don't have to tell you everything that's in the email. So that's that's the number one thing that gets us to open the email. And if somebody doesn't open the email, they don't read the email and then it's wasted. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Before we jump into the podcast, here's a message I want you to hear. If you're a virtual marketing assistant, it's not just enough to understand the technology. It's not enough to be in the minutia of your client's business. The expectation now is that you can write supporting copy for your client's thought leadership. Every business right now is marketing around ideas, concept, and dreams, and you have to be able to help your clients articulate this in order to make any kind of money and deliver value as a marketing assistant. You have to understand basic copywriting to be successful. Do you need to learn how to write a novel? No. Do you need to set your services up as a copywriter? No. Do you need to be able to write a complete long-form sales page? No. But you need to know how to sell yourself as a writing assistant, be able to write blog posts, show notes, social media captions, client emails, pull quotes, email sequences. You need to be somebody who can support a business owner's dream with skilled copy. And that's why I convinced my friend, copywriter Michelle Hunter, to reopen her virtual writer course. There's only 20 spots. If you want in, join the waitlist at emilyreaganpr.com slash virtual writer. That link is in the show notes. Now let's move on to our episode. Pinch me, Laura Effing Belgray is on the show today. Can you believe it? Before I explain the whole F-bomb middle name, let me first welcome you to the show. I'm your host, Emily Reagan, a fellow freelancer. I have a journalism and PR background. As a military spouse, I've been all over the world. I've also had a gazillion different jobs related to journalism, PR, and marketing. At the heart, always loved writing. I was the nerd writing a newsletter in sixth grade on my Word doc, formatting three columns and sending it snail mail to my grandmother. I've always loved writing and reporting. I'm not cut out to be a reporter. I tried to do TV news, always wanted to be behind the camera. I tried, I tried. It was horrible. Talking to people when they're going through like the worst moments of their life, dealing with the death. I remember a boy got trampled by a horse and I was supposed to call the family and I just, I couldn't do it. It's just not for me. I really do love writing feature stories. I loved writing travel articles in Germany. I just love writing. If I had known about copywriting, a whole different world would have opened up to me back in 2009 when I first started. I wrote press releases, don't get me wrong, and then I went into this marketing realm of things and only recently kind of started learning more about copywriting. I say that because I've never taken a course, but I'm a copywriter. I know what I'm doing. I've been in this world long enough, but there was this moment in time where I struggled with, am I a copywriter? When can I call myself this? What level do I need to be where I can actually claim this title? The fact of the matter is I claim it boldly and proudly now, and I want you to have the leg up, the head start. I want you to leapfrog over the competition, and you need to know copy. You need to know messaging. You need to know the marketing conversation for your own business and to be able to help your clients. You might not be the full-fledged copywriter. You might not be the one who's writing that sales page, but you need to be able to look at it and know Is this going to be successful? Is this off? Is this my client's voice? You need to be able to extract the big pieces from there, be able to write the social posts that go with it, help with the Facebook ad copy, be able to write a thank you page, emails, whatever your client needs. Writing will set you apart. Even this day and age with AI, we still need humans. We need humans to insert humor, storytelling, to QC it. We need humans to format it, make it look pretty as well. So don't be intimidated by any of this. So today on the podcast, we have one of the top OG copywriters in the country on the show. How did I make this happen? I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure. I've pitched her a few times. Oh, she does have a book coming out. She's doing the book promo thing, but I'm so glad. 
Laura and I were actually in a group together a couple months ago, and I pitched this podcast, and she's like, absolutely. And so here we are circling back, perfect timing, because we're in the middle of a copywriting series where you get to up-level your copy skills. And Laura is going to share how to add personality to copy, how to make it more conversational where people are actually entertained and enjoy and open it. Laura is known for writing the only emails you've ever read, and she's worked with some really big names. Her origin story will explain it all. If you don't know her, I'm so glad you could meet her and learn from her. And she's got a very interesting story as a service provider, because for a year, she was known as the copywriter for fill-in-the-blank famous person. And eventually... She got to that point where she wanted to write in her own voice, she wanted her own business, and she wanted to step out of that shadow. We're all going to reach that point as a service provider. So if you're listening to this podcast, know that it's coming for you. You still need to make the effort to put yourself in the limelight, become the expert, become the authority. It doesn't mean you need to be dancing on TikTok reels right now, but you're going to have to do what Laura did too at some point. So take her story as a good lesson learned. I lived the same thing. For years, I worked with Jennifer Allwood behind the scenes, never had a website, never promoted myself. I would be so much further along, at least in what I was charging and my client rates and all of that if I had started authority building sooner. So permission to do that, permission to start calling yourself a copywriter, permission to use Laura's tricks in your own copy. She shares so much good today. And besides bashing Active Campaign. She's also going to give you insight to what it's like to work with a client like her. What does that writing process look like? What does the emailing process look like? How they stay organized? It's so fascinating. And what's really cool is the organizational doc she talks about is something that I teach inside the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School. I'm a big fan of data reporting. I'm a big fan of keeping track of all those stats for your clients. So they are free to be creative. And Laura is the perfect example of that. She wants to write her email. She doesn't want to dive into data. She doesn't want to dive into the conditional blocks. She doesn't need to know all the nuances of active campaign. The digital marketing assistant can do that. Today, she's going to share a couple awesome freebies, including where to goldmine stories, how to write better subject lines. And she also has a welcome series of workshop coming up where she may or may not have the link ready for us. Either way, get on her email list and you will not miss it. And the biggest news ever is her book. Get her book. If you love David Sedaris, if you love writing, the best way to become a better writer is do what Laura says, practice, and be read. Read, read, read. Fiction and nonfiction. In spite of my mom calling that entire podcast, in spite of the large American Eskimo that frequently gets left outside in my neighbor's backyard and ignored and barks the whole time, this podcast happened! Celebrate with me. This is a big deal. I'm so, so honored. So first, let me read you her official bio. Laura Belgray, founder of Talking Shrimp and the co-creator of The Copy Here, is a copywriting expert who helps entrepreneurs find the perfect words to express and sell what they do in a way that gets them paid to be themselves. Through her work with hundreds of clients, including online biggies like Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield, she's seen firsthand that putting you into copy All through your business is pure magic for getting people to love you, share your ideas, and happily click your buy button. And also, one of the most important things, open. How do we get people to open that email? In addition to online types, Laura's list of clients include NBC, Bravo, HBO, TBS, Fandango, and so many more. So if you watch TV and don't skip the commercials, you've probably seen her words on the air. We are going to nerd out on preview text. We're going to nerd out on disclaimer text. We're going to talk about subject lines and active campaign, good old active campaign. So why the Laura F. Bomb Belgray? Because she didn't want to be known as somebody's writer forever. She wanted to stand on her own two feet and be known as the bold, authentic person that she is. She's really freaking funny. She's not afraid to cuss and tell you like it is. So I hope you channel your inner effing self. Be bold, add your personality. It's going to help you stand out from all of these virtual assistants who don't know what they're doing, who aren't putting their name and faces out there. You be you, add your personality, add your humor, add those concrete details, and practice, 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 practice. You'll become a better writer with practice. So without further ado, let's jump in, grab your snacks, grab your water, plug in those earbuds, because you are about to laugh and learn. 
right. So let's jump in with a little bit of your background because my audience is like educated professional women who are shifting into the online space and the story of how people start their online business and like how that comes about is really fun. So you can, can you fill us in on your origin story? Yeah, sure. So I, I was an educated professional woman, except I was so unprofessional. And I mean, I like as soon as I got into the job force, I kind of knew it wasn't for me. I, I think the longest I ever lasted in a corporate job was six months. In fact, I know it was like a true corporate job, like a nine to five. I couldn't make it in at nine, even when it shifted to 10 a.m. I couldn't make it in for the summer, couldn't make it in at 10. So I was quickly fired from that and ended up working in TV, which was my dream job. So I wrote TV promos for many, many years working for networks like Nickelodeon, Nick at Night, TV Land, then, you know, Bravo and HBO and others like that. You know, that was starting at age, say, 26, which at the time felt very late. I was like, I'm so late to the game, like to finding my my thing. And then in my late 30s, I was starting to get into a creative rut. I loved what I was doing, but I was just feeling complacent. And like, I want some way to write in my voice, write things that are, I don't know, about me to an audience that wants to hear from me. I didn't know in what form that was going to be. And it so happened that I had met this woman in hip hop class at Crunch. She was first in my class, my class meaning class that I went to regularly. She was always in the front row, adorable, perky, great body, great hair, always made it fun, always got all the moves. She was always like, hit, hit. And she drove me nuts. I was like, I hate this chick. She Um, She probably didn't sweat. Nah, she didn't really sweat. She didn't. She glowed. She was one of those people who glows instead of sweating. And so I was just so annoyed by her. And then one day I started talking to her in class and she was really nice. And it turned out she was a bartender and a life coach. I didn't really know what a life coach was, but bartender I understood. And it's like, oh, my boyfriend is the GM of this new restaurant and is looking for bartenders. Do you need a job? Do you want another bartending gig? And she's like, I would love one. And so it's like this chick I met has great energy. Maybe you should hire her. And he did. And we became friends. We started walking home from hip hop together every day. She started teaching. I started going to her classes. So this woman that I'm talking about, her name was Marie Forleo. And she is now today one of the biggest and has been for years, like one of the biggest forces in the online space and has a course called B-School that is a juggernaut and a course called Copy Cure, which is also a juggernaut. And that's with me, her partner. (laughs) we became partners. But she is the one who pulled me into the online space. And it wasn't something I was meaning to do. I wasn't meaning to have a business. In 2009, sorry, this is a really long story. But in 2009, I was creating a website just for my promo reel and like so that I could get more clients in the work that I was a little tired of doing. And she said, I so I was making this website, I showed it to her, she said, it looks great where are you going to put your opt-in? I was like, my what in? And she's like, yeah, an opt-in. That's how you build a list. The list is your gold. That's, you always want to grow your list. And I was like, okay. I just, you know, took down notes on what she, she took out a yellow legal pad and diagrammed it for me. This is how you're going to, you know, confirm the opt-in and send them a freebie, et cetera. And you're going to have a blog, right? I was like, isn't it too late to have a blog? And she's <laughs> right. like, no, you moron. It was 2009. I was like, it's way too late to have a blog. And she's like, you've got to have a blog, especially you, you love to write. And so I listened to her for once in my life, I actually did what somebody told me. And I also spoke about copywriting at her, she invited me to speak about copywriting at her first like IRL event, which was to 50 people in the Soho House library. And people started coming up to me and saying, you know, I loved your presentation. Like, can you help me with my copy? And I was like, sure. It wasn't the kind of copy I'd written before, but I knew that I could do a good job writing like a human, making it fun and engaging more than most people could. I knew that most people write in a stiff, boring way that was drilled into them in high school and college and especially corporate if they worked in legal or anything like that. So I took those first private clients on and 
that began a segue into the online space and working for private clients. And eventually I stopped doing TV work. This A, because I was tired of it. B, because there was a cap on what you could charge. And C, because there was a lot of pressure and it felt like homework all the time. Like, you know, come up with a bunch of genius ideas and the the bar was so high, like, (laughs) which was great. But it was like, it has to be really stand out. This has to be an award winning idea. Whereas copy that I wrote for someone's about page just had to get somebody engaged. And, you know, it didn't have to be groundbreaking, just had to be engaging and fun and get somebody to click work with me or schedule a call or anything like that. So I, and I enjoyed it and I loved blogging. I loved, you know, that became my, the way I channeled my creativity now. And it was a a really fun outlet. And that brought in clients. People would say, I love your copy, even though it was technically content, you know, and can you write that, you know, can you help me with my copy? Yes. So that's how I ended up in this online space and eventually retired my client services, stopped taking one-on-one clients and switched to teaching people on a more scalable way. So courses like Inbox Hero, The Copy Cure, et cetera, and a group program called Shrimp Club. It's my mastermind and all that stuff. So I think you are probably looking for two sentences and I just gave you a half hour, but that is my story. I want to flash back though to that moment where mm-hmm. just because I know like a lot of our marketing assistants listening to this know, but how did you have like the balls to just jump into copy? Like, had you taken a course, but you just knew you could do better than the person already had, right? Talk to me a little bit about where you were emotionally and what you were feeling then. You mean when I started taking on online co- yeah. clients? Yes. Yeah. So this is <laughs> I this has become a mantra of mine is that ignorance isn't just bliss, it's confidence. And I had no idea that the kind of copy I was used to writing, because I was considered a copywriter for TV promos. I had no idea that that kind of copy had nothing to do with the kind of copy that's required to get somebody to click and buy, right? So not knowing that was great, because it kept me from spinning and saying, oh, I need to learn more, I need to research, I need to, you know, following into that hole that I call PDR, which is procrastination uh, disguised as research. It, It kept me out of that stage, which I'm very prone to, and allowed me to just say, sure, I know I can write in a human way. And I thought that was all it needed. I can write with a point of view, with an edge, with a voice. So that's what I did. And I I learned along the way, like, oh, this is something, you know, this converts better than that. And like using say your buyer's language here is more effective than using your clever, funny language here, like in these particular places. And, you know, these are more powerful words than these. So like, I learned a lot along the way, but never had a moment of, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this. Okay. Awesome. So are you a big data nerd? Were you looking at like no. rates and everything? Afterwards? No. no, I'm the opposite of a data nerd. You know, everyone's always like, you know, have you tested this? Have you split tested? I'm like, nope, I haven't. I'm only a data nerd where it comes to my subject lines, because I love split testing. And it surprises me every time, which one wins. But generally, I'm not a data nerd. I'm too lazy to research. I hate that stuff. (laughs) I do. I love it. So you're known for to anyone who's new to our world, Laura's really known for writing emails that everybody wants to read, right? And so I kind of like did a little crowdsourcing and asked some friends. I'm like, what do you guys want to know about Laura? And the Mm -hmm. number one question is, how do you write so funny? Like, how are you so good at showing your own personality? And I know one of your (laughs) your big teaching moments is adding personality into your business. So tell us, like, what's your, what's your secret? I mean, my secret is practice and it's also honesty and like being willing to show the truth being willing to say the quiet part out loud. And also I would say my favorite technique for adding personality and adding humor is concrete details, original details. So, because so much of humor just comes from truth. 
Like we laugh, you know, it's fun. I think Homer Simpson would always say like, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> and so making something true by using original details is a great tool for making your writing pop and making it funny or making someone nod their head. Yes, I see that. I get it. And making it, the more specific you make it, the more universal. So an example that I give all the time is when somebody will say in their like, origin story, their rise from the ashes story, they'll say. And at that time, I was in a dark, dark place, possibly the darkest of my life. And I won't get into the details, but it was tough. You know, and it's like, that tells me nothing. It's not funny. It's not interesting. It doesn't grab me. It's not memorable. But if they were to say, you know, at that time, I was living in my dirty, unwashed sweats, crying into, you know, a pint of Haagen-Dazs or eating Doritos straight from the bag while watching, you know, old episodes of Real Housewives and stalking my ex on Facebook. Now I know what that looked like. Never done that. No, (laughs) (laughs) who has? No one has done that. So that's painting a picture with original concrete details. And it works across the board, no matter what you're writing, whether you're writing sales copy, or an engaging email or a blog post or a memoir. Like those details are what make for humor and give it some grit that we can cling on to rather than, you know, our eyes just kind of sliding across the page and not seeing anything. Yeah. Like vagueness is boring and I just Mm -hmm. can't stand that. I also kind of get tired of people telling stories about like their kid puking or like, (laughs) like those general stories, but like how this brings up like a thought with me. How do you keep track of that? How do you know, like in the moment? Are you like your own director and you're like this, I need to go write this down. Like, how are you keeping track of your stories and what does your writing process look like? Are you able just to like bring them forth and be like, all right, today we're talking about hamburgers or whatever. Yeah. I I mean, sometimes I will, if there's something I really don't want to forget and I do this as much as possible. And sometimes I'm lazy about it, but I'm always glad when I do it, I will jot it down. Like I will, I was going to say, I'll take out my phone, but my phone's already in my hand, let's face it. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I'm probably already looking at it. So I will switch from whatever app I'm into Evernote and write down what I just saw or overheard or the thought that I had. And I keep a story bank, like an idea bank of stories on Evernote and details that I just noticed that I don't want to forget because we do. And, you know, the older we get, the more we think we're going to remember and then don't. So yeah, yeah, that's how I keep track of them. Well, I think you're more organized than you give yourself credit for because I have like a journal, an app, a doc, probably another untitled doc. Like they're all over the freaking place, but yeah, it's a mess. I didn't say my notes were all in one Evernote. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell me, what tips do you have about writing these conversational emails? Because our digital marketing assistants who are listening, they're kind of stepping into this role of like guiding their clients or usually working with solopreneurs and they're good at like spotting when things aren't right. They're not necessarily full-fledged copywriters here. So yeah, talk about, you know, your eFab. Sure. So in eFab, this is the the method that I use for every email I write in EFAB stands for email from a bestie. And the idea here is to make your email feel like it is from a friend to a friend. So you're writing to one person, you're addressing one person, you're not saying, hey, everybody or hi, friends, because that makes us feel less responsible to engage with the email. Like, oh, this is to a group of people. It's not really just to me. So I don't even have to think about it or read it necessarily. Yeah, you want it to feel intimate, like a like a real letter used to be, like a letter. the The original form of email was letters, one person to one person, and so you want to address one person. You want to think of one person in your head, one particular person. So if it helps, think of your best friend. So it gets you into a conversational tone, and you want to write like you talk. And one big key to that. It lodges in your right pinky finger. So that's the one that touches the apostrophe if you touch type. And the apostrophe is your friend. A lot of people don't realize that they're doing this. But, you know, if we've been through high school, college, corporate life, legal, et cetera, as I mentioned before, we've probably had it drilled into us that you have to spell out full words and not use contractions, you know, 
I would not suggest doing this. And it sounds really formal and stiff and buttoned up. And we don't might not even register it that way on the page, but that's how it strikes us, at least emotionally. So you want to say, I wouldn't suggest that. Or instead of, you will never guess who was coming to the party. You know, it's like, I do not know a robot. You want to say, you'll never guess who's coming to the party. I'm going to teach you, not I am going to teach you. I am so glad that you are here. I'm so glad you're here. It makes a big difference on the page. I'm not saying everything has to be a contraction. Like once in a while for emphasis, you might want to like use the full words. Yeah. So you want to get in the habit of using contractions, reading your stuff out loud and where you find yourself changing it with your voice, where you're struggling to read it that way, or you find it awkward to say out loud, change it on the page. You'll see a lot of places where this actually doesn't read well when I say it out loud. It's usually the case that it also won't read well on the page, if that's true. So you want to make it sound like you. And even if you're you're writing for somebody else, you know, and in their voice, you still, you want it to be intimate, revealing in some way. It, it doesn't have to be TMI, but you want revealing details. You want to set the scene. You want to paint a picture and show the details of their life, especially if they're a solopreneur. Because, you know, that is how we attract the right people. And that's how we become a favorite to them is by sharing the details of our life, populating a universe within our emails with, you know, spouse, kids, pets. Some people don't want to name their kids. That's fine. Kid one and kid two, you know, favorite foods, pet peeves, what time you wake up, weird habits. And all of your quirks, the barista who calls you ma'am, and it really bothers you. Like you want to tell the stories from your life, little stories and blow them up in big detail. And writing frequently will allow you to do this more than writing. If you're writing a newsletter, like once a month, it's really hard to do this. If it's once a month or like once a week, even it can start to feel like I have to give them the big picture. I have to catch them up on everything that happened or write something important. When you write more frequently, you have the space to go deep on the small things. So I have, because I write frequently, I have the latitude to write about, say, my husband being really disappointed in the raisin count in his bowl of raisin bran and saying like, well, so much for two scoops and just talking about that and turning that into a whole story. Yeah. How disappointing, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was disappointing. And so, well, the point of that story, you don't want to just tell stories that end with like, it was really funny. You want to tell stories that land at a point, you know, that connect to a point or a takeaway or some sort of call to action. So just for example, that story, I said to him, well, you know, we have a box of raisins right there. Why don't you add some sunmates to your raisin brand? And he was like, no, that's not the way the game is played. That's cheating. And I was like, not the way the game is played. I was like, well, I I guess it's the German in him, but my husband is a rule follower, but I, for one, am not. And I've never been able to follow these rules. And I, I don't remember what I was promoting, but it was probably something that like allows you to succeed if you are not a rule follower. So so (laughs) yeah, so that kind of thing writing frequently helps you go deep as if you're texting to a friend as if you're always in touch. So those not get like Mm -hmm. too personal with that. Cause I know like I have this very quiet introverted husband. I don't want to like bring him into the picture too much, but if you could hear my internal thoughts sometimes, like I wish I could share them. Right. But like, what is that line? Cause I think you do a good job of it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think I don't share anything. I mean, sometimes my husband is like, I don't like being used for profit but he's kind of kidding. He likes profit. (laughs) He likes being used. We know it. (laughs) He he likes being used. If his rule was never mention me, never talk about me, that would be tricky. I would have to turn it into a friend was, you know, I was with a friend and they were blah, blah, blah. It's way more fun. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was with my friend Bertha and she was eating cereal and I was at her house in the morning, but I, you know, I avoid things that are really personal and private, or sometimes they'll say, you cannot post about that. And I'll say, okay, that's fine. But there's plenty of material that is not too revealing that doesn't reveal something 
yeah. too personal. You know, if you have somebody who's like, do not talk about me, then you can't really. There are so yeah. many other things to talk about. And you can always talk about yourself. You can yeah. always rag on yourself. Yeah. And then there's that like extreme opposite, like using vulnerability or like the fake vulnerability for like oh. clicks and profits too. And I'm always like, ah, where do I stand with this? Because I don't want to be that person either. Yeah. I I call that vulnerability or vulnerable shit alternately. And you can just sniff it. I mean, it's it reeks of BS when people do that, when they're using vulnerability, like I have to insert vulnerability here, or I've got to make this a vulnerable share. It's not really, but I'm going to find a way to do that. And I'm say something take like, a picture. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to take a picture of me crying, or they will, you know, post a gorgeous picture of themselves and say, you know, this may look fabulous. It may look like I'm having a great time and I'm super ripped, but what you don't see here is how I was crying five minutes earlier because blah, blah, blah. Or they'll say like, this is a very vulnerable share. I'm really feeling less than about the seven figure launch I just did. I feel unworthy of it. Or, you know, as I made a million dollars in an hour and then I crashed and felt unloved or unsatisfied or unworthy. I'm like, yeah, that's bullshit. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, good. I'm glad you talked about that because I just see right through that and it just, oh, it's like annoying. Fast way to get like an unfollow or block or whatever. But yeah, um, I feel like don't look for ways to be extra vulnerable if you're not feeling extra vulnerable. If you are going through a period of self doubt or having trouble with something and you want to be transparent about it, I think that's great. Like Tarzan K will often write about launches that flopped. And it's helpful to people and inspiring to them. I think that's awesome. She's not using it as vulnerability. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Okay. So I wanted to use this as a chance to plug your story goldmine, because I think this will be perfect. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of what we're doing as digital marketing assistants is also like extracting the stories from our clients and our clients are mm -hmm. often like, I know I need to email every week. And then what do I write about? So tell everyone what this freebie you have for us is. Okay, so Story Goldmine is 63 surprising ways to mine your everyday life for stories that sell. So it's a goldmine of prompts that will draw out your stories or your client's stories, and you can keep a bank of them there. And then a lot of people struggle, and this takes practice, they struggle to find a way to find the point of the story or what can I connect this to so that it's satisfying and so that somebody takes action. And so the bonus of Story Goldmine, I mean, the whole thing's a bonus because it's free, but the real, the bonus material in it is guidelines to connect your story to a call to action or a takeaway, find something, find meaning to it and different way, you know, whether it's finding it as you tell the story or reverse engineering the story from the takeaway, got both ways in there. Do any of the prompts involve breakfast cereal? They might. It's very <laughs> possible. It's very possible that breakfast is one of the prompts. I talk a lot about food in my emails, like more often than not. You know, I, like a, a recent big story that I talked about was a rotten egg. Like the subject line was egg trauma. And that got more engagement than any email I've sent in recent times. I missed that one. Was it during this whole egg crisis? Like pricing? No, <laughs> no, nothing. It preceded the egg crisis. <laughs> Maybe it's time to re-release it with a, a twist on the egg crisis. But yeah, well, do you? No, ever, it was a couple of months ago. Do you ever struggle with like what to write yourself? Yeah, I do, especially if I haven't written in a while, and I do tend to send on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mm -hmm. So there won't be a long period where you don't get anything from me, but sometimes I'm recycling emails for a launch. And so I haven't written anything fresh in a little while. And that's where not writing for a while starts to stump you. It's like, oh, I could write about this or I could write about that. Nothing seems significant enough. Whereas when you're on a roll, when you're writing regularly, it's much easier. Like, oh, I'll just write what happened yesterday. So yeah, there are times when I struggle to figure out what I'm writing about that day. And what I'll often do is I, I now have a spreadsheet that, and this is something 
if you work with a client who has a lot of content or is creating content, something you could do for them. So good. I have the spreadsheet of all the emails I've ever written. And each one has like a summary, like what it's about, what it was promoting, if anything, or if it was a gen pop email, the link to it in a Google Doc, and also the link to it as an email in whether it's ConvertKit, my old ones were ConvertKit, or ActiveCampaign. And uh, sometimes when I'm at a loss, I'll just go in there for inspiration. And oh, it also has like open rates and whether it was successful. So I'll go in there and look at like, what got a great open rate? What was a good one last time that's worth repeating? And sometimes I'll just recycle that. Hey, I'm interrupting this awesome interview with an invite. I'm hosting my first ever open to the public marketing roundtable. Usually this is only for my digital marketing workgroup members, but you can come join us. We are having a two-hour live panel discussion about all things launching. Remember that podcast series I just did? Yes, that registration page is finally ready. So go to emilyreaganpr.com slash a roundtable and you can save your seat. You're going to learn from other freelancers who are doing the work behind the launches. They're going to share what's worked, what they wish they would have done, and help set you up for success to get involved in client launches. Go sign up and I'll see you on March 14th at 12 p.m. Eastern. All right, back to the show. Oh my gosh, I'm glad you opened that little door to like how it works because this is what I love to know. But I was just showing, I had a strategy call right before here and was showing a client how I break down my weekly email and how I track the purpose. And I love that you're also an active campaign girl because that's hmm. that's a big deal. But are you doing any of that? Do you have somebody who's like queuing it up for you? Do you um, now I do. You? So now I write my emails in a Google Doc. I used to, I mean, when I had ConvertKit, it was a joy to just write the email in ConvertKit. Easy. Right. Active campaign, less so. It's like it's changing the fonts. You can't drag and drop an image into the middle of it. You have to like, oh, now I have to create a new text block and then an image block in between. It's such a pain and it ruins the flow of writing. And it's also easier for my team, it turns out, if it's everything is created in the Google Doc and they load it into Active Campaign. So that's what I do now. They'll load it in and then send me a test. And then sometimes I'll go into Active Campaign and be like, this needs a few tweaks. I don't like how the subject line is looking or the preview text. Preview text is really important to me. So sometimes I'll go in there and tweak it or I'll see a mistake that I don't feel like detailing to them and telling them how to correct it. So (laughs) I'll go in and do it myself. Sometimes it's easier to do myself. But so that's the process nowadays is I write it in the Google Doc and they load it into Active Campaign for me. And I've become, I used to be good at this stuff. Now I've become a little helpless at tagging, you know, at, at segmenting, creating a segment. I never really learned it in Active Campaign, like creating a segment, especially for a conditional block of text. So often I'll have in one email, like, this audience will see this block of text, like, you know, thinking about joining B school, you know, here's the link, etc. And then people who already have B school or have opted out of that will get a different block of text below, nice. right? Yeah. And so I don't know how to segment those, how to create the tagging and stuff on those blocks of text myself. So I need the team to do that. Yeah. And segments are really tricky in active campaigns. Yeah. They're really hidden and not smart. Yeah, they're not smart. There's all I I could go on about active campaign. I'm still an affiliate for ConvertKit, FYI. <laughs> I think I think it's great. I miss it. I ha- I'm very nostalgic for it. I know it has its limitations, and that's why I yeah. switched. Oh, okay. I was but, gonna ask who made you switch, but you clearly wanted the better automations, like lead scoring stuff like that, right? Yes, I wanted better automations and more powerful tagging and the conditional stuff. And yeah. I guess I can't remember what other features made me switch, but we agreed. So my manager, Sandra, and I agreed together, like, okay, let's switch to active campaign. And she has regretted it even more than I have because, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> because frankly, and if someone from active campaign is listening, then fix it. I think their customer service blows. And, you know, there it's not immediate. There's nobody you can get an answer from right away. Sometimes it's like active campaign is down or active campaign is being glitchy. They all have their drawbacks, every one of these, but active campaign has seemed to have oh my more gosh. than the others. 
friend Brenda McGowan just switched to active campaign. Oh, and she's I know my, she did. She's in my boxer every day. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's never glitched like this for me before. And it's like, mm. no, are you in a glitch or are, is it you? Right? Like you don't really know, but I feel like we should retitle this podcast a bitch session about active campaign. <laughs> <laughs> a, a loving bitch slap to, to yeah. active campaign. So Brenna is a shrimp club member or shrimp club alum. And she actually talked about switching in shrimp club. And we kind of tried to steer her away. <laughs> like, listen, this is really glitchy. But she didn't. She was like, well, as soon as she it. switched, she was like, now I see. Yeah. And before a launch too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, mean, I don't have all that drama, but I don't know. Like they helped me a couple years. I switched in 2020, so I think I had a better experience. But oh my gosh! Okay, the other question yeah. I want to know is how far in advance are you writing? Are you like the dream client who plans ahead? Mm-hmm. Are you the last minute like hot mess like coming into active campaign right before the deadline? I'm the nightmare. I want to be the dream. I keep saying to Sandra, like, okay, I'm going to change my ways. And she's just laugh. Like, I'm going to get these things done in advance. Because almost always, sometimes we'll get a few done in advance, especially if we're doing a launch. Right. And, you know, batch them, I'll go over them. At this point, most of them are recycled, uh, not new email. So she starts a new doc for me of all the emails in the order that she suggests from last time, the ones that worked well. And so she'll say like, have you gone over these yet? I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to. And sometimes we'll have like a good three or four in a row that are done, approved, ready to test. But then we always catch up to the date or time always catches up to us. Oh, And it's like, you know, there's a test for tomorrow's email or there's a test for today's email. You know, and sometimes I'll be like, I just, you know, just wrote an email for today. Can it go out ASAP? And she's like, great. Um, I have three meetings and then you know, it'll be this afternoon. So I am. Yeah, I'm a pain in the ass. I just want my team who's listening to this recording right now to hear that Laura Belgrade may be worse than me. Oh. <laughs> you guys got it good. <laughs> maybe she I'm is better, better though. Uh, maybe. I mean, I I do pay enough, I think, to be a pain in the ass. I think I I think that I do. And yeah, I would like to be better about it, too, because I don't like I don't like playing catch up. I don't like having to run to my computer to look at something when I was on a walk, you know, okay, I'll, I'll cut my walk short and go home and look at it. I like leisure time. I like spaciousness. And so doing things in advance really helps with that. But I'm not good at that. I never have been. Well, thanks for being real about it. Because I I really think that people need to hear that. And it's just the reality. I feel like if you're a week out sometimes with clients, it's great. But I had a teammate go in and set all the launch emails like a month out. And when I had to make little tweaks to things, she was not happy. I was like, this is kind of what happens. And especially during the launch, as you know, like you're collecting objections, you're Mm -hmm. missing, you might like add an extra email and no one can get mad. Exactly. And that that is what makes my launches and probably yours too so powerful is that I'm sometimes writing emails in real time, responding to my audience. And that is what I consider part of the secret sauce of my campaigns, of my emails, is that they're responding to things people just said. Like somebody sends me some great praise. Oh my God, I just, you know, results that they just got from something they bought from me. You bet I'm going to turn that into an email write a whole email around it, around one quote. And so I'm always adding those things last minute. Oh, good, good. That makes me feel better too. Okay, so one of my friends wanted me to ask you this question. Let's see if I can even word it right. Okay, so we were talking about like launch emails and she was like, what would be Laura's like take on the number one email you should send out during a launch, like Laura style? You know how everyone's like mm-hmm. the FAQs or gotta yeah. have the the bonus feature too, or like what is Laura's like, gotta do a jazz hands email. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes to those. You do have to have an FAQ email. The only people who are going to open it are people who are already interested. Mm-hmm. This is kind of vague, but you have to have an email that gets people really excited about what you're teaching and what it can do for them. You don't want to assume that they already get that, that they've been waiting for this course or whatever you're promoting, right? Mm-hmm. You have to 
get them excited, write a, you know, whether it's a story about what knowing this did for you and for your life or for somebody else, or some story that illustrates the concept of it. For instance, say I'm writing about, I'm going to be promoting a welcome sequence workshop soon. Oh, right. And yeah. And when I talk about the power of a welcome sequence, I usually use the analogy of a party and what happens, you know, when you have a party, like that first person who comes through your door, you're like, come on in. Oh, let me take your coat. Let me get you a drink. Let me introduce you to my hot cousin who's here. You're like, let's catch up since you're here so early. You can help me set up. And then the next person who comes through your door, a couple of people together, you're like, hey, everyone, put your coats over there, et cetera. Drinks are in there. Grab yourself a drink. Uh, like talk amongst yourselves. And, you know, after like 30 minutes, you don't even know who's in your house anymore. If it's a good party. And you're like, who, inv who invited these people? <laughs> so I will illustrate that. I've done this before in an email and I'll probably use it again. Of Like imagine if every person who came through your door, you could give that same first guest treatment and show them around the way that you want to it's show them around your virtual world. That's what a welcome sequence does. So I will always make sure to write some email or a couple of them that talk about the benefits of what they are going to learn rather than just being like, I've got a welcome sequence workshop coming, you know, at long last. I'm so excited to bring you yeah. welcome sequence workshop. What is that? I don't know. You know, I don't care about it probably unless I've been thinking about a welcome sequence or struggling with one. So you really, the must have emails are the ones that really sell the concept. Oh, I love that. Okay. When is this workshop? Is it something we can come to? It depends when you're airing it, but I will be giving this workshop on March 21st and promoting it in March in a couple of weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we can sign up when this comes out. It'll be beginning oh, perfect. I should have um, that date in front of me, but that is hidden in one of these many tabs and I'm not going to look for it. Tell us the details real quick. Okay. So I don't even know the link to the page, but I'm, I'm guessing it's probably going to be talking shrimp.com slash welcome, but I'll give you the link when I know it. Yeah. As soon as they hear this, they should get on my list and yeah, get on the list and you will be in the loop. So grab the story gold mine freebie. You can also grab my Guide to Non-Sucky Subject Lines, which is a perennial favorite. It's a talking shrimp classic that a lot of people have printed out and like right next to their computers. Almost everybody struggles with subject lines. So this will give you great inspiration. And that's at talkingshrimp.com slash subject lines, all one word. I am so glad you brought that up because I was going to segue into that next while I had you because awesome. a lot of times our clients too kind of will give us like the email and then they kind of leave that on us to do, to figure yeah. out. So Yes, you have this awesome freebie. And I think I got it. It's been around a while. I've got, I've had it yeah. for a while and it really helps. And I like give it to my teammates and I'm like, you want to know why that open rate was sucked? Like, yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> do better, do better. And you also caught me a little bit when you were talking about preview text, because I really mm -hmm. want to nerd out on preview text with you. Like, can we talk about that? But first, give yes. like a high level about like why subject lines matter and like, I don't know, a tip on like what not to do or something. Yeah, sure. I mean, subject lines are the number one thing that get your emails open. If it's a boring subject line, or if it looks businessy, or if it looks newslettery, for instance, a, a what not to do is, you know, Emily's awesome email number 42. Like that doesn't, the number isn't going to excite us. Like if we see that we become blind to it, we see, we've already seen Emily's awesome email number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, these hit our inbox look the same every single time. Yeah. I'm not going to open that. So subject lines should be informal, casual. They should feel like they are from a friend to a friend, not be in title case. Like if it's in title case, some people get away with that. But I think we still sort of dismiss that when the first letter of each word is capitalized. Um, we're like, that's from a business. That's not from a friend. No friend would write, write it that way. And you want to make them intriguing. Like unlike headlines for articles, publications, which tell you exactly what you're going to read. Subject lines can be way more mysterious. They don't have to tell you everything that's in the email. So that's, that's the number one thing that gets us to open the email. And if somebody doesn't open the email, they don't read the email and then it's wasted. It's worthless. So yeah. getting them opened is half the battle. And then the number two thing that gets your email opened is the preview text. And those are those 
few lines that you see in the window, you know, depending on how you have your settings, whether it's two lines or three lines that we see right under the subject line. And those can, that's valuable real estate. And a lot of people use, just leave that as default. They don't bother customizing it. So either what you see at the top is like, you know, copyright 2023, all rights reserved, prefer, you know, prefer to see this in your browser, click here. That tells us instantly, like, this is not from a friend. This is a something I've subscribed to. Yeah. So it just says boring. So it's either that or it'll be the first lines of the email itself, which may be intriguing, or they may be yeah. not the best lines to use. So you want to make sure that the lines, the preview text is supporting your subject line, either adding to it, you don't want to repeat it, you want to either add to it, or give something totally different in there. That's like, if they weren't interested in the subject line, here's something that will catch them. Or sometimes if you're promoting something, you want people who are not necessarily interested in that thing to open it. So for instance, say I'm promoting the welcome sequence workshop, you know, for example, and I'm not going to put like bonus for welcome sequence workshop in every email that talks about the bonuses. Mm -hmm. I might say, you know, who invited these people? And then the preview text might be plus bonus goes away tonight for welcome sequence workshop. So if one thing doesn't grab you, the other might. And that's a, you know, that's sometimes a good place to put the urgency. Like if you don't want to put it in your subject line, like open ASAP or you're going to miss this deadline. Yeah. That's something that can gunk up your subject line. And so sometimes the preview text is the right place to put it. Okay. So those are the top two things that get your emails opened. And the third thing is just good old trust. So if you are known for sending great emails, people will open your emails. You know, like they'll start to open everything you send. However, you know, they'll open it faster if you have a great subject line and preview text. I love that. I, I find myself overanalyzing that. And I like that. I feel like there's a couple of strategies I can pull out, but it's like, complimenting it, keeping it intriguing, but you're also doing that thing where you're appealing to that different kind of buyer with like some facts, like mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be all, you know, shrouded in mystery. So I want to tie, as we wrap up here, I want to tie everything into your gift of storytelling and your book you have coming out that I've already <laughs> bought. Already Yay. Ordered. Thank so you. Tell, yeah. Tell everyone about it. So Tough Titties, which comes out June 13th this year from Hachette, it is a late bloomer coming of age collection of social mishaps, dating, adulting, and work fails that my husband calls loser sex in the city. So Readers have called it a Bible of how to be real and authentic and yet authoritative. Some people say it's a giant permission slip to be yourself. But loser sex in the city seems to be the winning line. And so it's a memoir and essays. And it really does give you permission to be more you and more yourself and a late bloomer if you've ever felt behind in your life or career. But I think it's also pretty funny. And, you know, if you like TMI, it's <laughs> this book is a, a big fat volume of TMI of things that you can't unsee. In fact, there are two chapters in it that my husband skipped because he doesn't want to. Yeah, he's like, Ooh. I just can't read those. There are certain things that I won't be able to unsee and unknow. So. Oh my gosh, that's funny. And I just like had a glimpse of the subject line for you right there. Okay. Well, the reason <laughs> I'm excited about this book too, is just maybe I'm just coming from like a negative headspace floor, but I'm just sick of all the business books that are getting mm -hmm. out right now. And all of them, I just think like, I love these people. But I'm just like not that interested in the book. So I'm excited to read yours. It's going to feel like, Thank you. like a Colleen Hanover book or something where I, I can't wait. <laughs> oh, you mean Colleen Hoover? Wait, oh, gosh, Hoover, right? Yes. Yes. Hanover, yes. Yeah. I know here. Yes. Yeah. Who I have not read yet, but I do hope it's that I've heard that it is, you know, that her books are page turners. They've got to be. She's got five in the top 10 on the New York Times bestseller fiction list. So yeah, I hope that it reads like that. I think it is pretty addictive. And I, I refused to write a business book or marketing book, a copywriting book. And that's what publishers wanted me to write. And I found one publisher who was happy with me writing it the way I wanted to write it, which is stories. 
that do come to a point. <laughs> they do, they do give you something. There's some wisdom there, but these are personal stories that are fun to read. And it is way more of a, as I would say, it's way less of a how to than a how not to. <laughs> I'm thinking of like David Sedaris. Is it kind of like that? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, if I could write, I would want to write like him for sure. Thank you. Me too. He was the one who inspired me to write essay form. Um, no way. Like, oh, that's I what I, yes. Yes. So someone has said, and this is my like, this is everything that I ever wanted to hear about my book said it is like David Sedaris meets Judy Bloom. There I you go. I've fallen in love with you more. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't know that. Okay. I have to tell you something. So I'm in this like anthology, like chapter collection with other women and oh, cool. um, yeah, I had to write a chapter. It was, I went over my word limit and I started off with a story about me getting kicked out of a two-year-old's birthday party. And uh. I accidentally, well, I saw some of my like friends chapters and they're all serious and businessy. And I'm just mm. thinking like, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do no. it. I had to like somehow tie business into like, you know, getting thrown out of this party and just being funny. You know what I mean? And I think that's what I love about you. Like adding your personality, you. being Laura fucking Belgray. I'm so excited about this book. Thank you. And yours is the chapter I would read a hundred percent. I want to read that story about getting kicked out of a two-year-old's birthday party over any like how to any day. And if it comes to some point, you know, if it delivers some kind of business wisdom, great. But that's the one that I'm actually going to read. I have never gotten through an actual nonfiction book. That's not narrative nonfiction, narrative nonfiction being memoir, essays, personal writing. I cannot get through anybody's how-to book, anything that's late in the how-to miscellaneous section. I can't get through it. Business books, personal development. I feel bad when you can't finish because I have some behind me that I mm -hmm. just like teetered out on. I just never finished either. You know, sometimes I feel bad. I feel bad for the author just on my own behalf. Like I put myself in their shoes. I'm like, oh, I hate the idea of people saying like, oh, I started it. I loved what I read and not finishing it. But I think there are just certain personalities, yours and mine, that don't finish those kinds of books. And that is okay. Because they're, I mean, for every one of me, there are millions of people who live for James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. I can't get through it. I keep trying to listen to it on audio. It's not his fault. It's just me. My brain does not want to, like, I keep rewinding, I keep looking at Instagram while I'm walking and listening, I can't read it, I can't listen to it, just I can't do it. cleaning the house, which is something I never do, <laughs> like yeah, anything right. to like, avoid and distract or occupy my exactly. mind. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So where can we order your book? Is it available now? Well, it's not available now. It's available for pre-order now. And that is the most helpful. Pre-orders count more than anything. So if you go to toughtittiesbook.com, or you can also go to talkingshrimp.com slash book, but toughtittiesbook.com, type that in, and you will find my book page where you can not only pre-order it, there are all the links to your favorite booksellers on there, but you can also, if you fill in the form, you will get at least one bonus, which is depending on you know, when you pre-order, you'll probably get more bonuses down the road, but the bonus that you'll get right away is the intro chapter in your inbox. Oh, I have to check and yeah. see if I got that because I don't oh. know. But I maybe I, you didn't fill out the form because a lot of people are like, I pre-ordered and didn't get anything. I'm like, Amazon isn't gonna send it to you. I yeah. send it to you. You have to fill in the form and no, let and me I think and after our mixer, I was like, I just didn't even think about that. But that's awesome. I love that. And then the bonuses you'll probably start going into full on book launch mode and then they'll more, yeah. more come out. Yes. So I will have more bonuses than that. And one thing I know I'm going to be offering, though, I don't know whether this will be for the price of one book or possibly two books yet to that is TBD. I mean, but they I'm do doing go together, right? <laughs> they do go together. Tough titties are best as a set. Yes. So who wants one tough titty? So yeah, you want two tough titties. And the bonus I'm talking about is going to be called Story Goldmine Live. So get that freebie and there will be a live version, a live workshop where I talk you through it. We'll have a couple of prompts from the guide that we'll all write to, like we'll have a writing session on the spot and those who volunteer 
to, you know, this won't be mandatory. I hate mandatory participation, but a few people will be able to workshop theirs, like read theirs aloud Ooh. and we'll workshop it. Like what kind of a point or takeaway you could connect that to, et cetera. Oh, that will be so helpful. Okay. I'll put all of the links to everything Laura shared, the subject lines, the story gold mine and the book and the show notes. Where's the best place to hook up with you? Okay. Well, come find me, of course, at talkingshrimp.com. I've got freebies over there that we mentioned. Story Goldmine needs to be on there and I still haven't attached it, like put it in the nav bar or anything. So if you're looking for it, I'm sure it'll be in your show notes, but go to talkingshrimp.com slash story dash goldmine and you'll find that one. And then, so Talking Shrimp, that's my main digital home, but also do come find me on Instagram. That's my preferred social media platform. And so I'm at Laura Belgray over there. Ooh, you switched. I, saw- I did switch. It used to be at Talking Shrimp NYC. And in anticipation of this book, it's like, I think it's better if it's me, if it's the author. And like, I felt a little disconnect there for a while. It was yeah. like, I-, I didn't like it when people addressed me as Talking Shrimp in the DMs. And I was like, I, I'm Laura Belgore. My company is talking shrimp. And so I feel better. I feel more whole now that oh, I switched it. Glad that worked yeah. out. Okay. I have two questions for you. One, I forgot to ask what's up with the disclaimer text in your emails. <laughs> okay. So there is yeah a long block of text at the bottom of all my emails. It's tiny, tiny font. It's not necessarily meant to be read, but people find it a delightful read and respond to it all the time. They're like, yes, I read the fine print. So that is my way of getting into the primary folder, staying out of the promos tab. And it doesn't work always, but it seems to have helped because there was a while in like 2021 was a shit show for deliverability for me. Everything was landing in promos. I could not get out of the promos tab for the life of me. And so I got the advice to put in this sort of disclaimer stuff. It was like some legal mumbo jumbo that would keep me out of the promos tab. And I couldn't just put it in as is. I had to like zhuzh it up and give it my own, my personality and my flair and make it something fun to read. And I did that. And people really, people read it all the time and ask me, what is, what's that for? So (laughs) there's your answer. I knew you were doing it for deliverability, but I was rolling on the floor laughing when you were talking about being a delicate sleeper. I was like, yes. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't also... even remember that part. That's, I am. <laughs> like, this is why I'm not applying for Survivor. I need my feather pillow. <gasps> Good Lord, would I flunk at that? I would be <laughs> off the show. I would probably be dead before I'm booted off the show. I would oh, just man. turn into the hangry, like e- evil person. But <laughs> okay, my last question for you, for all of the introverts listening, what's your <laughs> best piece of advice for adding their personality into their business? I mean, does introvert mean that you don't like to show your personality? Because I consider myself an introvert, even though I always test right in the middle, like yeah, an ambivert oh, on those let me rephrase that. It's not introverts. It's the behind the scenes and happy, no limelight, digital marketing sidekick who doesn't want yeah. to face of their client's business, but still needs to do it for themselves, which Emily is constantly mm-hmm. telling them to work on their business too. How can they add personality to their business? Like what's your advice? Start telling stories about your life and they don't have to be that intimate. So I'm just thinking right now of my manager, Sandra Booker, who I've mentioned several times. So she has a business called Any Old Task, and she has a great newsletter. She's such an introvert and not the type to naturally be in the spotlight. She doesn't gravitate towards it, but she knows that she needs to for her business. And she has over the years written so many great personal emails that never reveal anything she wouldn't want you to know about her, but she even uses photos of herself and her husband. And she'll talk about like their favorite wine, or might talk about her struggle to get back to working out or progress she's making with it, or just all kinds of things in her life and business, or about, you know, how to deal with nightmare clients, (laughs) all kinds of personal stories. And so I think that you just get used to it. And probably once you see how rewarding it is, how it gives other people permission to show themselves, other people like you who are like, Ugh, I don't want to be in the spotlight, but I'm so inspired 
by you sharing this, it will encourage you to keep going and doing it. It is really gratifying. It helps people. It inspires them. It's, you know, when you share your personality, it acts as a domino effect or a ripple effect, whatever you want to call it, where the next person then has permission to share themselves and so on and so on. It's like that Fabergé commercial, but you're probably too young to know it. Do you know this one? Oh, no, the Fabergé one. It was a pyramid and the t- it was for Fabergé organic shampoo. And, you know, like I love Fabergé so much that I told two friends about it. And then she appears, behind, you know, in a pyramid underneath her. And I told two friends and then it just expands into a big pyramid and they're all all her faces are echoing and so on and so on and so on. And <laughs> so if you ever hear someone say like, and I told two friends and so on and so on and so on, that's oh, the Fabergé organic commercial. And now we're yeah. all drinking the Kool-Aid in, in an MLM. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, Sandra said she'd be on the show. So oh, wonderful. Yeah. She'll be a great guest. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, we can nerd out on that. Okay. Thank you so much, Laura. This has been such a pleasure. I've had a blast. Everyone go connect with Laura over on Instagram. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. This was so much fun. Okay. Before you hit stop on this podcast, would you please tell a fellow marketing digital service provider about this episode, about this podcast? That's the best thing you can do to help me out and get this word out there. Yeah. A review would help. Hint, hint. Hitting subscribe would also help. Hint, hint. Tagging me on Instagram. Yeah. But what works better is you say, hey, bestie, this is a podcast you need to listen to. What can we call it instead of an e-fab? A p-fab. Wait, does that even make sense? Podcast from a best whatever. Let's make it work. Will you PFAB this for me? Tell somebody who's working behind the scenes or interested in working remotely about this world. Let's leapfrog over being the admin VA. Let's jump into marketing services. Let's use our creative brains and our logical analytical brains to make the marketing fun happen behind the scenes. This works fun. And over here, we nerd out on marketing. We care about the quality of our work. We want to get better, and that's why we listen to podcasts so we can learn. Growth mindset over here, baby. All right, stay tuned. Next week, we have another huge, huge, huge copywriter name in the house, in your earbuds. I can't wait for you to meet her. While you're here, if you haven't applied for the Digital Marketers Workgroup, if you are into marketing, if you're offering marketing services, get your application in. We're doing a roundtable March 14th where we're talking all about launching and the work that goes behind the scenes for our clients. We can nerd out on that conversation. It's a live to our panel discussion. You can get your applications in because our enrollment window is opening soon for the workgroup. Inside, we have a tight-knit referral community. We have jobs. We have advanced trainings. And we have assistance. We have feedback. We have encouragement. We have the community you're looking for, who you can talk shop with, who will have all the ideas about subject lines, preview text, and disclaimer text. All right. I'll see you in the next episode. If you want to start earning income as a digital marketing service provider or digital marketing assistant, you only need your laptop. You can tap into what online business owners really need help with by downloading my top 10 most requested tasks. These are the services I did for years for my clients behind the scenes. You can take this download and apply it to your own business and start by offering these very same services. If you want to niche down in digital marketing, this is your guide. Just use the link in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash services. Or I was like, is it possible? I've never had a hundred people on a call before. I was like, maybe, maybe I am that small. I'm like, And you know what? No shame. Like if that is the case, I guess it goes to show what you can do with a small list and small buying list, right? Small like wiener size Zoom account. (laughs) Yep. Wiener size Zoom account.